Hey, welcome to Uncommon People. This is episode 23 of the show. This is a show um, that's a conversation, really, between you and me and everyone in between. It's a show about everyday people, their lives, stories, experiences, perspective. I like being able to learn from people's lives because I've only lived one and everybody else has lived a different one. And I find that fascinating. So this episode is a conversation I got to have with Thomas Smith. We talked about um, some travel and adventures and spontaneity and how to be in your natural state and what that might look like for you. We covered a whole bunch of different things, so I hope you sit around for the whole conversation or do whatever you do while you're listening to a podcast and that you enjoy it and get something from it and are inspired to have a conversation maybe with somebody else because that's what this is about, um, having conversations, getting to know people intentionally. So I hope you enjoy this episode, number 23 of Uncommon People. necessarily know the next time that we'll see those people um, or kind of what's going to happen in between point one and point two but then when you reconnect and you get a chance to sit down it's it's cool because there's um there's so many stories yeah seriously that that was that was the whole the whole inspiration for this man just recognizing that you can you can get people talking it doesn't take a whole lot, honestly. And um, honestly, it's so much easier for me now, which is part of the reason I'm excited to be doing this again because it feels like refreshing and coming mm-hmm. back to something that I loved before but that I'm better at now than I was. Mm-hmm. And I'm excited. I'm excited to be using new software that's easier, that works better. Man, Technology. The tools make the job easier. Well, I'm, I mean, even today, talking about sound and equipment and using using certain mics, certain, um, you know, lighting, certain reverb, all those kinds of things, are a part of the a part of the learning process. Mm-hmm. Like over the weekend, over the weekend, I was talking with a musician, and he was telling me how when he shows up to a show or he shows up and he sees a music board, he can kind of just from first glance see how the band wants things to sound, how they how they envision they would want it to sound. Um, and then there's this point where they actually start getting into rehearsals and they see how it actually sounds. Um, they get a sense of what <laughs> what variables are at play uh, in that setting that 
maybe took him a little bit by surprise. Maybe, uh, maybe they didn't quite expect the bass to carry as far, or they yeah. didn't expect the echo to go uh-huh. as long. And so they have to adjust. They have to adjust. They have to change. They have to not necessarily get it perfect, but show up, do the rehearsal. I would imagine, you know, play a couple songs, pause, think about, okay, how did that sound? Is that what we're going after? Is that the natural state of our sound and what we really want people to naturally feel when they're around us? Or um, is there a way that we can we can change so that it sounds more like us? It sounds more like when we are in our natural state in studio. Uh-huh. Natural state. That's where we are. Yeah. <laughs> no, it definitely, it's, it's huge. The learning process just with the tools that you use, I think is so important. And as an artist becomes part of the art you're creating too. Mm-hmm. Like for photography, your editing is not just an add-on that's not part of it. It's mm-hmm. part of making the finished product. And for somebody recording, I don't know much about recording this stuff. This is a pretty simple setup. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the software you use and how you mix, how you master a track if you're doing music, those are creative decisions you make. And it's not that making one decision over another is the wrong or the right thing. But having control to do that, you're able to make decisions to affect the product you're making in a certain way. And I think that's awesome. I think it's maybe when you start out doing something, you don't think of that. Like maybe you're starting a podcast and you don't realize how much fun the act of recording a conversation is on top of just having the conversation. Mm-hmm. And then you get used to it and you start realizing, oh, this is actually a really fun part too. And I get to like edit it later and all the nitty gritty details of getting that the finished episode yeah. exported is also part of the process and it's fun. Yeah, man. It's... That's me. That's yeah, how that's uh, how I've I been mean, feeling. I mean it's um people know or are learning about their craft and I think that's that's the place to find place to place to go on that search, go on that journey. If you're a writer, you're learning how to get into that natural state of writing. Um, if you're a musician, you're learning um, what are the what are the parts of the studio that make me comfortable hmm. um, to where I'm just around my buddies or I'm just around my crew to jam with. Um, if you're a photographer. What is the space to remove distraction so that, yeah, I can, I can work through the lighting piece. I can work through the lens that I want to have, but, um, the artist feels like they're in, in their most natural state. Um, they're in, I think about athletics as well. Um, spend a lot of time around that space and people talk about flow and they talk about getting into the groove of something. Um, sometimes I, I don't, I don't quite know after how many minutes of being at a certain heart rate 
in sports, but there's a point where the brain actually um, kicks kicks in, and it actually it starts to release and relax because the athlete has gotten into the natural state of movement um, to where their body is relaxed, their mind is flowing. They don't they don't really have to think about their movements if they're hmm. you know in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. They don't really have to think too much about how to how to angle angle their their body um, to move. Uh, if they're you know a bicyclist, their body finds how to be on the bike, um, how to tilt their head to defer the wind around them. If they're a figure skater, they find the best edges of the ice. They find their flow and they cruise around and they, they're not thinking about the judges. They're not thinking about the lights. They're not thinking about anything. They've, they've entered into the flow. They've entered into being in that natural state that is familiar to them. Um, I even think about the other day I was, I was thinking about getting into audiobook reading. So actually being an audiobook recorder. Yeah. Because I love, I love the voice. I think the voice is such a phenomenal thing. Mm-hmm. Um, voices are different. You know, we, we, we see voice come up in movies, in documentaries, in uh, fictional books, in nonfiction books, in thrillers, uh, even just storytelling in general there's a flow to the words we use there's a flow to our voice but it takes it takes some time to get into that natural state where um it's it's the same natural state or flow that maybe somebody gets to after after they have you know a brew with with their buddies at the bar or they get into that natural flow of conversation um you know, if they're on a on a great date with somebody that they're interested in, or they get into the flow of conversation um, with other creators when they're in the studio, mm-hmm. uh, and that's a fascinating concept. That's really been, I think, the main. You probably have already kind of picked out the thesis of what where my brain's been at lately. Yeah. But I've just really been curious about what are the things that get people into their natural state. Um. I think it's ironic as well that this this idea or this concept, this curiosity that I've had, comes while living in Arkansas, yeah, which has the nickname the natural state, the natural state, among other things. Yeah, and so um, at the core of it, it's it's asking questions or going through experiences that really get us to be curious about why do we do what we do. Um, why do we why do we sometimes endure what we endure um what are we connected to what are we attracted to um if we take away certain distractions and we're in a room a quiet room um where does our brain naturally go what is our our state of mind when we're as natural as can be how do we find flow and nothing super crazy intellectual about that but just in a general sense how to how to make people comfortable um, in life, even sometimes in hospitality. Like people who have, I think hospitality is a gift. They know there are certain things that help people 
walk into a room, walk into um, an event, walk into a gala, walk into um, even a public place, a concert, and they know how to create a sense of welcome to where people can be in their natural state. So, yeah, I don't know. Have you have you ever had any experiences where you have uh, sensed yourself get into the flow or maybe in photography, you mentioned photography being a, a passion of yours. Uh, are there certain attributes or things of the environment or with people that get you into your natural state? Yeah, I'm sure. I love that you're diving right into this because I think this topic has come to more there's been more research done on this in recent just very recent years uh people calling it the flow state is you hear that phrase used a lot and it really is intriguing to me um and i think all of us if we can have it 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 explained to us in a certain way know oh yeah i've been there Mm -hmm. i know when i'm in that state and yet there's probably a lot in our lives that is able to disrupt that mm-hmm. sometimes yeah. or often probably things that we deliberately bring in that are disruptive without our realizing it. Uh, and I think some people are probably much more aware of their flow triggers, what gets mm-hmm. them into that place where they're in their natural rhythm, that groove, that mm-hmm. flow. A lot of words you can use for that. I like, yeah, the natural state is great for us uh, Arkansas dwellers. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, So for me, I think with photography, when I know I'm in that place is when I can stop having to try to be creative. Hmm. When I do a shoot and I had maybe an idea for images I wanted to create beforehand. And I start shooting and I'm actually seeing those images. I'm able to be in the moment and see these photographs and know my gear well enough that it, it kind of disappears and I'm, I'm just seeing the images. Mm-hmm. When I'm there, that's when my best images come about. That's when I feel most comfortable, most in my element. And man, I wish I knew how to initiate that. Yeah. How to plan a shoot and say, okay, I know I gotta get into that flow to make my best work. So here's the things I can do that will allow me to do that well. Mm-hmm. Um, build a system, right? Yeah. Build build some sort of system. Mm-hmm. You know, what I don't know what it could be: sleep, hydration. Um, journaling, reading a certain book, I don't know, jumping around, doing jumping jacks, listening to Metallica. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, you know, yeah. <laughs> whatever it could be for, for whatever, somebody. Whatever stimulates that creative muscle. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's so cool. I remember actually writing a short piece on my website uh-huh. on how to be a better photographer. And I think it was... nice probably seven points because I'm fond of the number seven. Yeah. 
Maybe it was three. I don't that's, know. That's it, thorough, man. It was, seven, it was a few. Seven is thorough. A few different that's things, great. yeah. And I just dove in and talked about why these things are important for being a creative person. And I don't remember if all of them were unintuitive or out there, but I remember one of them being read scripture. Hmm. And... My reasoning for it was that part of being an artist is understanding who you are and being able to create honestly out of that, being able to express who you are honestly. And getting to know who you are is challenging. Mm -hmm. It can be very challenging. I mean, who is not or has not been on a search for identity? So for me, as a as a man of faith in the God of the the Bible, um, coming to know myself mm-hmm. in that mirror has been very important for me creatively. Because the more I can be honest with who I am and bring that genuinely into every situation I'm in, the more of my creativity is going to come out, yeah. the more I'm going to be in that natural state. Because if I don't even know who I am, how am I going to know what my natural state is? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that's so true. There's so many signals. I mean, so many signals through, you know, the ages of probably about eight, nine to mid-20s um it's a part of life where the brain starts to look outwards so the brain looks outwards to adventure um it's a transition that's actually really cool because kids when they grow up um in their natural state imagine kids and toddlers in their natural state are creating in their minds and their minds are um, completely undisturbed and they're not hindered by um, you know external distractions and so that's that's kind of where we see you know if you ever you've ever seen commercials or you've ever seen even just kids playing around um, you see this natural imagination in their natural state where uh, the rest of the people at the park may not see it, but there's dinosaurs there. Uh, or, you know, they're in the car, and the rest of the people in the car might not see it, but they're, they are um, flying right now, even though they're a passenger in a car. They feel like they're flying, and that's how they, they perceive it. Um, or or uh, you see kids at, uh, at amusement parks, and... Um, you know, they see Mickey Mouse or uh, they see Iron Man. And to them, that Iron Man is actually right in front of them. That is Tony Stark standing in front of them. It's not somebody else. It, it is actually the person. Um, and so there's this level of certainty with kids and their natural state because what they're creating is within themselves, which is such a beautiful thing. And then what's interesting is that around 8, 9, 10, 11 – there's this inflection point where we start to be curious about the world around us. So we start to 
um, think about, uh, you know, what, what, what am I doing or saying or who am I becoming to live it, leave an imprint on the people around me? Uh, what signals do I send to people in conversation? Um, it's kind of the, the jokingly thing where, you know, we first think about playgrounds and, you know, what did he think of me? What did she think of me? Um, uh, you know, uh, people, people starting to look external, uh, to family members for a certain signals of affirmation or they have emotional needs that are met or are not met. They start to get into hobbies, sports, music, whatever it could be. And so then their natural state starts to become predicated upon external stuff. And not a bad thing inherently, but an interesting thing to think about how we, uh, over the years, we, we, we start to think about okay, well, what's, what's really important to me, what, what matters uh, to me, and has it been influenced by my peers? Uh, you know, do I value, do I value um, how I spend my weekends because of how my friends spend their weekends? Um, do I have certain hobbies because of positive social interactions in that context with people and in, in uh, photography or in music? Um, and then also, what are people saying? So this idea of, uh, you know, I think about uh, kids before this inflection happens, it's like in their natural state, they'll dance to a song no matter what. Like they don't really mind who's watching or who who thinks of their 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 dance moves, but through the teenage years, it can it, it changes right where um, we think more about that in our twenties. We we continue to think about that, and um, that's that's something that I've been thinking about and almost in a way questioning a lot of things, including spiritually. Like, what what do we believe to be the natural state of um, why we like what we like, uh, who, do, who, are, who are we attracted to, why are we attracted to them, um, what kind of jobs do we like or get interested in, what kind of work do we interest in doing, um, what's our perspective spiritually of God, who do we, who do we perceive him to be, um, you know, outside of us. So, yeah, what does that natural state look like as we've received all these external signals. Hmm. Yeah, I suppose it it changes a lot over time, or at least the perception of it does. I, I don't know. I don't if if you were, if you were to ask the question, is your innate natural state the same at five as mm -hmm. at twenty five, but at the latter part, it's distorted in layers of other things. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know if I would say who I truly am has always been the same or and I'm just discovering it or who I truly am is changing over time as I grow. I'm growing into it and I'm almost in a sense creating something new. I don't know what which of those would be true. It's, it's yeah. really interesting to think about though. Like who am I who am I really? Yeah. Am I, is photography important to me because I've made it important to me? 
Or is there something innate to me that really loves that? And I can dig in, and I love to dig into the philosophy of photography, Mm -hmm. of really anything that I choose to dedicate a lot of energy to. I like to ask the why questions. Mm -hmm. Why is photography important? Why did I want to make these types of images? Mm -hmm. Um, Why do I have a podcast? Why do I make a habit of making conversation? Um, They're important to me. Mm -hmm. I I do like asking those why questions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If I had encouragement to anybody, I would say this year, whether it's 2022 or maybe in 2021, you tried this, but I would encourage people for the next 30 days, go and try something new. And every month, try something new for for 30 days. And there's only 20, I think there's what, 28 days or 27 days? 28 days in this month, yeah. February. And it's already Actually, when we're recording this, but this won't be out until like... Almost April. April. So you'll have about eight <laughs> eight months left, but that would be my encouragement, you know, is, is you know, if you're searching for uh, what things that uh, stand out to you or, you know, you're, you're, you're wondering, you're on the cusp, you're like, man, should I, should I go and try this? You know, is this me? Do I like it? Does it match? Um... You know, are there certain things out there that I, I might enjoy, but I have no idea? I would just encourage you go and try it. You know, go and see. Go and see uh, for thirty days. That could be something like trying a new flavor of coffee or tea. Um, that could be going and and working in a new remote place and seeing if it helps your your frame of mind. It could be going and trying a new form of exercise. Because um, you know in your mind that you're sick and tired of just walking on the treadmill and you're thinking there's got to be more. <laughs> there's got to be more yeah, to exercise and <laughs> just doing, doing the same thing, um, you know. Or, or you're, trying out, uh, you're trying out new fashion. You're trying out new looks, you know. And you're not quite sure if... Uh, if, if uh, you know, you're interested in a certain style, um, you know, or, or, uh, cooking, cooking's another one where there's just so many different creative outlets mm-hmm. to go out and experience and try. And I would encourage all people take 30 days and try something new, try, try a new sleep schedule, try, um, a new, uh, a slightly different way on getting to work swap it up a little bit, try something, see what feels, uh, what, what might feel better, what, what, what might get you into the natural state. Um, you know, I took a different route to Potter's house today. Yeah. 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 In fact, like, I'm just going to pause. Oh, okay. We'll continue. Okay. I wanted to search something while. Yeah. Okay. 
Yeah, just so there's a potter's house here in Springdale, which for those who don't know, is um, it's a thrift store. People bring stuff there, drop things off, kind of like Goodwill, but it's a local business to Northwest Arkansas. And I like to go there and look for various things, you know, browse, see what there is in the mm-hmm. the electronics department. These days I've started looking at places uh, for watches too and sometimes look through the clothes, see if there's anything, you know, that really catches my eye. And I just, it's as simple, the simplest change can make yeah. you feel different. I normally drive down 71 coming back here to get home. Mm-hmm. And I turn right into the Potter's House parking lot, but this it's time it's a pretty small. It's a pretty small parking lot too. It's pretty. It's pretty tight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But there's other ways you can get to it. One of them yeah. being instead of turning right there, you turn right at the light that you pass. That is right. Bacchus and Sanders, mm-hmm. and I did that, and I rolled down the little hill, and I came from behind. You know, rolled over some of the still melting snow. And some mud, some watery patches, you know, some potholes, and got in that way. And it felt good. Just the simple act of doing something very normal differently than you normally do it. Mm -hmm. I I really enjoy that. Honestly, that's probably a clue. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's probably a good clue for me as far as... How do I find my natural state? I think spontaneity Hmm. is really important to me, actually, to get into that flow, to feel really at home and feel creative. Spontaneity is good. So that could come in the form of probably a different couple different ways. You you see an event pop up or you're in a group chat and somebody says, hey, there's this thing going on. Does anyone want to go? Or uh, you see a video ad for something that's down the street from you. You're like, oh, okay, like, hey, this is up. This is coming up. Like, I can go check that out. Uh, what is that? You know, is spontaneity? Is it? Um, yeah, has there ever been like a moment in the past, experiences in the past, where you're like, man, I did not, I did not see that coming, but I am so glad that it popped up out of nowhere because. Once I I went for it, once I took the plunge, I really started to enjoy it. The the first substantial thing that comes to my mind, because I could choose, I I don't know this this it probably happens fairly frequently. As someone who doesn't tend to plan a whole lot, more more now, there's more things on my calendar these days, mm-hmm. um, which also means I value the time I get to be at home and relax. So mm. my time of spontaneity is a little narrower than it used uh-huh. to be, maybe. Yeah. But one thing that comes to mind happened within the last year. It was probably. It would have been. Not quite a year ago, but it was still chilly outside, I believe. My brother, my younger brother, Aaron, was visiting. Hey, Aaron. And 
we were here at the apartment. We were hanging out. David Burleson was here. Nice. Daniel Vega was here. Nice. Um, Great guys. David's brother Joseph was here. And I'm trying to think if John was with us. So, Joseph. That's David, a lineup Daniel. right there, man. That's a great lineup. John, I don't think John was there. Because there ended up being five of us that left. It was already like late. It was late enough for me to be hesitant to say mm-hmm. yes. But I had already had, I think, two glasses of scotch. So I was like ready to hit the hay. Uh-huh. And then someone suggests going to Open Door, which is a cigar lounge in Fayetteville. Okay, right on. David is a frequenter. Mm-hmm. In fact, he works there currently anyway. Right off College Drive, right? Yes. Near, uh, there's a sandwich place near there. I don't know about the sandwich place, but it is off College in Fayetteville. Phillips 66 um, gas station. I think so. Yeah. 285. Just kidding. I don't know what the, <laughs> I don't know what the price is. You better go find out quick. Right <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's actually probably super well, expensive. It's probably it's something like 310. Ugh. Something like that right now. That's brutal. But anyway, so someone suggested going to Open Door. And I immediately thought, "Ah, I don't know (laughs) if I want to right now. And Aaron took up the call. Mm -hmm. And they're kind of walking out the door. And I'm like, oh, well, okay, I guess, nah, will I go? And Daniel is totally prepared to go or just stay and just hang out with me if I want to sit and just relax. I thought, I haven't been there. I've been meaning to go. This is a spontaneous moment uh-huh. that I won't get back. And so I went. And we went to Open Door. We, Aaron and David and I all got a cigar. Mm-hmm. And I think, shoot, who was it? Daniel. Daniel and Joseph had pipes, and so they they lit up the pipes. They were equipped. They were equipped, yes. (laughs) David probably was as well, but I remember, maybe he was smoking a pipe as well. I don't remember. We're all sitting there, smoking cigars or pipes, and uh, David and Aaron are playing a game of chess in this back room. It's dimly lit. There's other people in there smoking and having a conversation. I think the Dark Knight was playing on a TV in there. Okay. And then, so so Aaron and David, I'm here. David's to my left. Aaron is across from him. They're playing chess and smoking cigars. To David's left are Joseph and, uh-huh. and Daniel, and they're smoking and they're playing chess. It's such a scene. Yeah. And I'm sitting there. Straight ha- out of Yeah. I'm sitting there having already had two glasses of scotch, mm-hmm. which is my limit. Pulling so hard on this cigar because I've never smoked a cigar and I didn't want it to go out. Yeah. And I didn't really know how to do it. So I sucked down half of that thing too <laughs> fast and recognized if I go any further, I'm going to regret it. Yeah. So I just sat there and I held it. Just held it. <laughs> and I sipped on my glass of ice water. 
And when David was done with his cigar, he I gave him mine. And he <laughs> he finished it off. The you know, cigar is so I've heard the word stogie. Is stogie and cigar are those synonymous or is that different? I don't know. I think I'm I'm not sure how that. I, I think a stogie might be a type of cigar. I'm no expert though. I, I, I that's the only time I've ever smoked a cigar. And it wasn't the greatest experience, but I recognized it's because I didn't know how to do it well, and I was already slightly intoxicated. Yeah. And that just upped that. We were also all crammed into David's car. Yeah. So I was sandwiched in between Daniel Vega and, like, um, one other person in the back of his car. <laughs> and Daniel can almost take up the whole back seat, you know, on his own. He's right. a big guy. Um, oh, here we go. Here, I this is Google to the rescue. So Stogie is slang for a thin, cheap cigar from the Conestoga Township, huh? Pennsylvania, while cigar is tobacco rolled with, or rolled and wrapped with an outer covering. So I guess there's like, I guess it's product, product design, you know? Yeah. Slightly, slightly different. Have you ever smoked a cigar? Man, I have, uh... A while back, I remember actually I had this this awesome roommate in college, who um, great guy out of St. Louis, who uh, he and I we initially connected through a class that we had had, um, and I remember at the time I had just moved from across the country, didn't really know uh, a lot of people in the area but i was kind of i mean i was a i was a pretty friendly guy yeah so still are i just go up and i just start talking to people or ask them a question you know um oh what what coffee are you drinking or what are you trying or um you know oh that's a cool car that you just pulled up in how how did you you find that on online or did you find that through you know a, a friend what's the story behind that or uh, you give compliments to people and people are like, oh, I'm, I'm open to sharing more about the story behind whatever it is that you compliment them on. So a um, little cheat code out there. That's so a good tip. Are, if you guys want to, <clears throat> if you guys want to figure out how to start a conversation with somebody, um, just, just find a way to compliment people. Even if you're not even quite sure how they'll take it, just try it and see what happens, see where it leads you. Or, or say, wow, that's really interesting. How did you, you know, how, what's the story behind that? Um, but anyhow, I, I remember uh, at the, a buddy of mine met him back in college and um, uh, just became good friends, both of us, uh, while we were at LSU, both into sports, the sports world over there. Um, he was in gymnastics. I was around the swimming space and um, hit it off, became friends, uh, just exchanged stories. He was had lived a lot of life in the Midwest. I pretty much grew up all on the West Coast in California. So for me, there was just a lot of things culturally that I didn't understand or get um, city-wise and rural areas that didn't really make sense to me. <laughs> um, you know, single-lane roads was, was new to me. I was used to seven-lane freeways and traffic everywhere. And yeah, I don't know, just it's, it was cool to hear about even even other things like affinity for uh, for uh, sports culture, St. Louis, they've got a hockey team, 
a baseball team. Uh, I don't think they have a basketball team, a couple of colleges in the state. But anyhow, I just remember getting to know this guy really well. And he was just very knowledgeable, very knowledgeable about um, cigars and how they came to be and the different flavors. Um, but yeah, I mean, even coming back to the, the naming, I guess, the word stogie is actually named after Conestoga, Pennsylvania, where one of the first cigar factories was built. Huh. Um, so they named it, they named it after, uh, they named it after a city. That's interesting. Which is cool. So do you don't, I take it, make a practice of smoking cigars currently? I do not. No, I am absolutely clueless about cigars, cigarettes, anything tobacco. Mm-hmm. I am not, I'm not the go-to for um, understanding that space, but... What is something you're pretty well-versed on? What am I well-versed yeah. on? Um Maybe well-versed and enjoy talking about. I've actually started to get into documentaries more. Um, talking about, I don't know why, I guess that art form of, of, of storytelling uh-huh. has been cool to me. Um, so, yeah, I would say documentaries have been something that I really enjoy talking about and there's there's layers to documentaries um in their most natural state a documentary is a a filmed a story in film form and a writer a writer can uh can choose how distilled they want that story to be and then they can add in uh, you know artistic elements or they can go real crazy and you can add explosions and you can add uh, aggressive writing. Um, some people might even go as far as saying you can have propaganda undertones to documentaries. So uh, it's, it's a cool art form because in the most natural state of a documentary, um, the hope is to share with people a story of something else. Uh, I think about one of the most recent documentaries that I watched was called Alpha Go. And it's a story of this, um, these group of really, really expert players that take on uh, actually a, a robot, a artificial intelligence robot in a game of Go. And the Go game has a pretty big history. So it's actually, it was invented in China. Uh, This is over, gosh, 2,500 years ago. It's a two-player game. It's a strategic, you know, there's some, uh, you know, arithmetic and probability type pieces to it. Um, You've got two players, so you've got a black, black and white chip. That you play on it and what's cool about it is that it's claimed to be simpler than chess 
to comprehend, but it's actually mathematically more complex. Mm -hmm. I remember talking with my brother about this, uh -huh. and he pulled it up on, I think, Wikipedia and was looking at it. Or, or maybe he pulled this fact out of some other room in his brain where it was stored. Yeah. And he said that the, the theoretical number mm -hmm. of possible combinations in the game is more than the number of stars in the known universe, mm -hmm. I think, is what he said. I can't you know, vouch for any specifics, Yeah. but I remember that being communicated to me. I don't know yeah. anything about Go or how to play it, but you saying it's simpler than chess to pick up yeah makes me hopeful because i'm not good at chess so, so there are this is another cool thing they i didn't memorize this but they they mentioned this that there are certain phrases so um there's positioning that's involved with the game of go and positioning chips affects it influences how somebody plays their game um one of the cool things about this documentary was seeing these world-renowned world-class multi-champion you know best on the planet players they, they come in with this expectation of how they think the game is gonna go no how intended. it's gonna go yeah 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 <laughs> they have this idea of how they think the game is gonna go and they played hundreds and thousands of games um, growing up in school, uh, after school, actually some kids will, uh, in, in Asian countries, um, they will actually go to schools that are like a daycare, but part of the curriculum is learning how to play go. Wow. So instead of having physical education, which is kind of a traditional American thing as part of school, they actually incorporate go as a part of the curriculum. So maybe they're they're learning math, they're learning science, they're learning English, and then they have the period of time where they're learning how to play Go wow. as a part of the curriculum. Yeah. You know, I could wish, and I don't normally like to think of wishing anything about my life was other than it is. Yeah. Because a lot of things would change, and I would have no idea what kind of a chain reaction would occur uh -huh. from such a change. But I could wish. Uh-huh that I had been raised playing an intellectually stimulating game yeah. regularly. Mm -hmm. I would probably be a more intelligent person, or at the very least, better at that particular game. Yeah. No, I mean, there's this the practice of, of getting into a flow. Um, and so, yeah, they just, it was a really cool documentary. Um, it was really cool to see how they crafted uh, a story around the player who was going up against the artificial intelligent robot playing Go. So, you know, here is this brilliant, brilliant young young man who, at the age of five, six, seven, eight, is playing hundreds of games a year. He's doing curriculum to understand how to understand the game. He's competing, uh, he's progressing, he's getting into a, a natural flow of playing games, and uh, I think it was, I think they had counted it at 18 
championships that he had, which if you're from uh, the sports world, that's equivalent to the Roger Federer of the world or Kareem Al-Jabbar um, or Willie Mays. Um, it's just an absurd amount of success and f- almost naturally getting into that state of, of doing well at something. And this individual, you know, they hop into a new setting where they're playing against, uh, you know, algorithms, essentially. They're playing against a computer. And it doesn't go as planned. I'll just put it that way. I won't give it away. The name of the game really leaves a lot of room for puns. It, it really does. Yeah. Um, it's, is, only, it's is, the only way to go when you're talking about it. Is go... <laughs> is it... A, is it? Does that mean something else in the language that it originated in? Not to my knowledge. Because um, go is obviously an English word. Yeah. But it could. It's also just one sound. So most. So it could yeah. originate from some Asian language and mean something completely different. Yeah. So the 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 game actually is uh, the game originally from China, but pulls from Japanese terminology. Um, actually, Atari, uh, who a lot of people know the word Atari through video games yeah. and through um, just, uh, yeah, gaming gaming console-related things. Atari is actually a phrase used in Go um, as sort huh. of a check. Check, if you're thinking in terms of chess, it's, you know, it's the point at which there's a, a breakage or a, a slight win or a domination of one player against another where uh one person has a clear edge at this point yeah one yeah one person has found their flow and they're now pushing somebody out of their natural state and they feel uncomfortable this is uncomfortable moment where you a person or player would never say the phrase atari to their competitor because that would actually be seen as disrespectful um but it is a way to communicate, hey, I have just nudged you. Um, and so now that other player has to adjust. Uh, they've been thrown out of their, maybe their strategy or their natural state. And so now they have to figure out, okay, well, shoot, uh, what do I do next? Yeah. Where do I go? Is the <laughs> robot in this this documentary, is it like an arm with, with a computer and it's actually moving pieces? Mm, no, so, so, the it's software. So, um, so for this for this program, uh, there was a branch of Google that was created. Um, it's led by a director who uh, is based out of the UK, um, who ironically actually grew up playing chess. Uh, was was very very good at chess, and so understood the ideas around sequences and strategy and things like that. Um, and I think generally too, just had a joy and fun for learning about, uh, um, you know, robotic and not robotics, but um, about AI and, and how it, it can interact with parts of our life. And so this curiosity led to them creating a program through Google. And then they just went, they dove in. So they hired a ton of people to hop in and, create software to analyze scenarios, figure out, you know, 
um, from millions and millions and millions of games, uh, past matches and past recorded games, what players did or used to do before. And then it would think of a way of, okay, well, you know, uh, so-and-so 20 years ago, this is how they would play based on the scenario. So it would pull from experience of the past from people. And then they would say, okay, given the state of the board right now, um, is that normal? Is that abnormal? What really is the thought behind the, the opponent, the person? And then it would make a decision based off of that. Um, and there's a couple, there's a point in the documentary where, uh, it's called move 37. And this is a point of the game where the software plays a move that confuses everybody. It even confuses the people who created the software. And this is where it gets it. I think it, like I'm tying it. I'm going to tie it back into kind of the whole theme okay. around around natural state, okay. which is that there will be, there have been. I mean, I know in my life, uh, I can't speak for everyone, but there are experiences or moments in our life. There are moves that happen around us or within us where um, there's not necessarily an explicable reason for why it happens or why we choose it but it happens. And after it happens, there's, there's a bit of a surprise or there's shock or there's a new strand in our stories that start to take place because of that, that moment or because of that scenario that we lived through or because of that one person that we met and all of a sudden now the trajectory is different. Um, our mindset, our presumptions that we made, what we thought was our top values, not to extrapolate too big, but truly, um, like our values evolve. And sometimes all it takes is one move. Uh, so yeah, really cool, really cool documentary. I love talking uh, about documentaries. Yeah, I can There's tell. There's been so many, so many recently. So I, you may, be aware of this aspect of yourself but you how old are you thomas i am 24 24 yeah you are as far as the 24 year olds i've met probably more articulate and thoughtful than many have you noticed this <laughs> oh for sure the funny thing the really funny thing is is that um i don't know how big my vocabulary was at six, but I used to just ask a ton of questions. <laughs> I used to drive my family nuts, actually. Um, and uh, genuinely curious, genuinely huge openness to stuff around me. Why is the sky blue? Why, why is the car moving as fast as it's moving? Um, just a genuine curiosity for uh, the the people around. Um, I have one story. I remember uh, one time my family went to a concert, and at some point I must have seen a shiny object or saw a cool colored vest or 
I, I don't know what it was, but somehow I got lost. I thought I was on an adventure. Apparently I got separated <laughs> from my family. And a couple moments later, um, I'm on a golf cart and the security guards or whoever was on staff is bringing me back to my family at this concert because I had like gone off and wandered and uh-huh. started a conversation and was probably asking them, you know, who the band was, what their favorite song was, uh, you know, why is food so expensive at concerts? How old should were you, we you go said? On, should we go on strike to, to lower the cost of food? I think I was probably six or seven. Okay. Um, and so from that point on, pretty much the theme phrase that friends and family knew me by was, where's Thomas? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> be like, be like, we don't know where this guy's at. Where's he at? Uh, or people, sometimes I'm on the phone reconnecting with them and they've grown up in the same town as me or, uh, you know, we're in the same Bible study group or whatever. And usually they ask the question of well, where have you been or where are you now? Uh, and, you know, for some, they're, they don't know what Arkansas is and others, they, they do and they ask more questions and things like that. But yeah, I... I, uh, I've always had a natural curiosity about the world and about people. And something I would say that has been a shift has been really being still and being okay with not always asking questions. Um, being, I think, more in tune with intuition not trying to overanalyze, not trying to um, to push the envelope, um, letting other people take part in conversation, letting other people ask me questions, um, and not always needing an answer for something. Uh, sometimes things just don't work out. Sometimes moments, they're just really good and there's no need to overanalyze or just moments that are really, really tough. And there's no, as an encouragement to any of you who go go towards this route, um, there's no necessarily need for deep philosophical questions or like overanalyzing. Um, there's there is a place for you know letting thoughts or things flow through your mind and kind of just watching it like it's a movie you know flashing before your eyes and just thinking about okay how much energy do i how much out you know energy do i allocate to thinking about whatever it is um or do i just breathe it in and let it go because I can't analyze everything. Mm-hmm. How how is this mindset come about in you? Has this been uh, a pretty was this a, a just a <laughs> gradual growth of perspective, or there was maybe something profound that happened and that changed how yeah. you thought? There was a move thirty seven. Yeah. And suddenly, that's a great. Where's question. Thomas? Oh, he's off. Yeah. Thinking really hard. <laughs> um, uh, so, I mean, that's probably three, three things come to mind. One is 
um, core, I call it core connections, um, core connections, adventure, and, and um, challenges. Uh, so core, core, core connections, I define those as people that you spend uh, time with on a, on a weekly basis past surface level talk. Uh, so it's, it's people that we run into or it's people that, um, we get to know over time. And so when, when we are around people that are asking simple questions like, Hey, what was something from your day that nobody would know about? unless you told them that's a really interesting question if you had a best friend or a spouse or um you know a mentor that asks you that every week hey what's something that happened or something you thought about that if nobody asked you they would never know that is a good question yeah try that try that one out with uh with choice of person um it uh it, it starts to cultivate, I think, uh, uh, an openness to share, uh, an openness to be curious about the, the world around us. Um, so yeah, core, core connections. Um, then I think there's kind of, I don't remember what I defined it as, but these kind of experiences or moments um, that are... Uh, like a point in time. Sometimes it's a camping trip or like for me, I had, there was a lot of camping trips. I think that really, for me, for some reason, really uh, was a place to, to be like still my mind and be open Um, for other people. It might be uh, concerts uh, that they went to, it was a cool moment, um, or uh, they went on a trek, or they went on a road trip. I know road trips tend to be these uh, these points in time where uh, people's minds are are you know more more curious about uh, the people or the places around them, um, and then. Or, or uh, even I think about people that do study abroad or they live internationally um, or they run into people who are from different places of the world. They have these moments. I got a story actually that's kind of uh, that's kind of like that um, where we run into these people inadvertently, but if we, if we are curious to learn, we express an openness to learn from those people in that moment. So for example, I remember one time uh, I think this was maybe summer of 2013. This was about nine years ago, where I went on a bike ride uh, to the downtown area of my hometown, and it was a bike which, ride. Which what what is that? Hometown. Hometown is Huntington Beach. Huntington Beach. You yeah. went on a bike ride in Huntington Surf, Beach. Surf City. Um. Which, uh, speaking of surfing crazy crazy ending to the recent world championships with kelly slater oh yeah wow. he actually won he won this competition really i guess he was he's almost 50 or something something crazy like that and the first time he won one of these was 20 
seven or 26 years ago. I know, crazy. But um, crazy stuff. I, grew, I wouldn't I have even known that that was a man. Kelly Slater. Kelly Slater. Yeah, 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 I would have assumed that was a woman. I don't, yeah. That's how little I know about surfing. Kelly. Kelly's an interesting name. It's uh, could be a. I have met male. It's kind of like Tori. Tori. Uh-huh. Tori is a name. Uh, I can't think of any. There's there's there's, I know there's some Tory. names. Yeah, there's some names out there like Tori Hunter. That's a baseball player. Uh, but then you've got yeah, male and female name. Anyway, so my hometown. <laughs> I bike. I go bike down like a normal, normal trip down to the main street, and uh, I just go down there and and look at the waves for a little bit. Um, people watch, uh, listen to some of the live music that um, you know. You see a guy playing an electric guitar on a thirty dollar speaker, and you know it doesn't it doesn't sound great, but it's just cool because he's. He's out there playing and enjoying what that's just natural for him, right? He's doing something that he enjoys, gets him into his natural state, and he's enjoying it. And so, uh, and so I just go down there for about an hour or whatnot. I'm walking around and I sit down at on this bench that outlooks the Pacific Ocean. Um, sun's on my face, feels great, light wind. It's summertime. And uh, these two people, probably same same age as me, so probably 14, 15-ish, um, they, they come and they pull up on bikes uh, next to me, and they park their bikes, and they say, hey, man, do you have a lighter? Uh, <laughs> wrapping around and reconnecting to the, the cigar right. conversation, but... The answer is probably going to be no. And I, I said, no, I said, no, I don't have any, I don't have a lighter. Um, so sorry. But uh, you guys are welcome to just hang out and take a seat. And um, so it's a brother and a sister. And uh, both of them were actually from Argentina. Oh. No, uh, it's Chile. They're both from Chile. Okay. Super interesting uh, brother and sister. And so we just started talking, hanging out. Um, I recognized they had an accent. They recognized I had an accent because I was from Huntington and people from my city talk like they talk, talk weird. Um, <laughs> I love it though, but I know for sure now that I totally have a rad accent and I accept that. I love it. And, uh, so we just started, we just started talking. Uh, they, they like the coast. I like the coast. Um, and I was starting to learn about, uh, Chile and after about 10, 15 minutes, um, they, they had done their smoking or whatever it was, and we were just hanging out. And they said, hey, do you want to join our family for dinner? We're going down to Duke's on Main Street, and uh, we think it would be great for you to join. So I said, absolutely. I would love to come. When was this? What year? This was, I think this was about 2012, 2013. Okay. So this was about nine years ago. Okay. Um, so you're a teenager. I'm a teenager, yeah. My phone's probably dead at that point because my phone used to always die when I would go on these random <laughs> outings and adventures. Hence, where's friends, Thomas? Friends and, yeah, friends and family knew that. They'd be like, man, if we can't, if we don't hear back from him after texting him for five minutes, then his phone probably died. 
I accept that. But I've gotten better at it, which is good. Um, so, so they invite me to dinner at Duke's, which is a nice restaurant. Like you get invited to Duke's, that's pretty nice. That's cool. Um, and we sit down, and they order uh, finger foods, chicken wings, little pieces of pizza. Uh, meet their parents. Um, great time. Couple more stories. Learning about Chile. Learning about why they're in Southern California. Um, get their contact info or I gave them my Instagram handle, something like that. And, and, uh, and then I never really saw them again. But what was so cool is, I mean, even today, that was an experience that I had never really heard or met anybody from a different place. And so, um, I was just hanging out, relaxing they were hanging out, relaxing, and there was this connection that happened because we were in this laid-back, natural state. And so it, it led to a pretty cool, memorable moment. Um, so that's kind of the second second category, I think, that contributes to just who I am is there's just been so many moments of walk-ins or I run into people and part of me wants to be curious about who they are, and so I ask. Uh, and then the third is the third type, I think, that leads to curiosity. Or Wait, are we naming these? What was the first thing? Uh, first thing was close connections. Close connections. The second thing, what would you call that? Run-ins? Friendly run-ins. run-ins friendly run-ins, yep. Yeah. And then I think the third the third is kind of this this, this flavor of, of maybe... Uh, challenges or I don't know if they're hardships hardships kind of has a has a a tone to it but there's just these moments where we don't we don't really know how to respond Um, our our physical body might respond with anxiousness or stress or uh, closure we we close off um, but yeah, this last one I think leads to, leads to thinking. Um, I think it helps with distilling what we value, what we think is important. Um, when people have or experience, uh, health challenges, uh, or they experience loss or they experience, um, deferred, hope deferred, uh, or, um, you know, they just hear no, um, for whatever context it may be. Um, or there's surprises that come along the way that they just, they didn't account for. Um, there's a curiosity, I think that for me growing up was just instinct of, um, how, how is this, going to make me stronger how is this how is this actually part of forming me to be more rooted how how is this sort of moment of fire because everything comes everything passes over but how is this how is this kind of fire bringing out the best of me um where do I feel under pressure? Where do I feel like I don't, I don't 
my insecurity is exposed or my stress is exposed. And so now I have to work through that uh, or I have to learn how to let go. Um, that, that I think is the final category of why I think I'm, I'm inquisitive or I'm curious is because um, there's, there's moments along the way that have been difficult for me in health, in some relationship stuff, in loss, and uh, just being imperfect and making mistakes myself and owning up to those mistakes and taking responsibility for, uh, you know, miscommunications or things where I've, I've come up short. And... Um, and then readjusting and saying, Hey, you know, why, why did that happen? Or how was I not, you know, was I in my natural state or was I trying to be something that I wasn't? Um, or now that this event has occurred, this hardship has occurred, um, what really matters? What, what what can be kind of stripped away? Um, what do I not have to front about? What can I let go of? Um, yeah, and not necessarily even ending it with how can I get better? Because I think that's 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 too like my mind thinks about just being and, and, and you know what I mean linear. Like, as if yeah. we, we progress in levels. I'm, yeah. I'm at level two and now something happens. Mm-hmm. And if the outcome is positive, that means I move on to level three. Right. That, yeah. that's, that's where my mind goes mm-hmm. with how I think of progress. Yeah. Me- meaning that's, I don't think that's, I don't think that's how <laughs> life actually works. I don't think yeah. it's an accurate depiction of reality that, that progress and growth is a really linear path, especially, I I think it's, that's true for me individually, Mm -hmm. but I think it's even more true when we start comparing different people. It's, it's foolish for me to look at somebody else and expect them to be in the same place as me Mm -hmm. when they're a completely different person with different experiences, different perspective. They've had different hardships and hurts Mm-hmm. and they know different things. That's mm-hmm. part of the reason I like having these conversations with people mm-hmm. is because whatever stage of life I'm at, there's somebody around me, there are people around me who have learned things I haven't yet learned. Mm-hmm. Maybe they're only half my age. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm half the age of somebody else who hasn't yet learned something that I take for granted mm-hmm. because I don't think we progress in some linear fashion, I think we're more complex than that. And it's worth remembering that um, we all we all learn different things from different experiences. Yeah. As you were you were talking about learning from from people that we may presume were farther along or younger or whatever, it's the the, the phrase that comes to mind is that a, a growth mindset. Uh, can actually be driven by humility. Being able to say, I actually don't know. 
maybe I need a maybe I need a mentor who is way younger than me. Maybe I need fresh eyes on what I'm going through or what I'm curious about um, or what I don't understand. Maybe there's something that uh, you know, depending on what what your spiritual background, there's a there's a curiosity or an openness to ask God what what would what would how would God view this or what would God do in this situation or how would God find sustainability in what we're doing um, at the core I think people want to grow um, even if they don't necessarily know how and one of the things that is a part of growth mindset is that every aspect of life includes it includes effort it includes being transparent and honest with our potential it it means embracing challenges it means acknowledging and working through obstacles it means valuing our effort it means valuing other people's effort and trusting that people are really doing their best or trying to do their best. It means learning from uh, criticism. Um, it, it means being, you know, potentially fluid with our ego. It means, uh, it means figuring out, it, you know, is there anything I'm trying to force right now? Is there anything that I'm, I'm, I'm trying to force a connection to happen or I'm trying to force uh, a opportunity? I'm trying to force uh, whatever it may be. And it's like, oh, no, maybe, maybe I just need to recognize or see how I can grow. Um, how can I live a more honorable life? How can I give of myself to others better how can i take care of myself and my mental health and my wellness more consistently um, how can i just enjoy the people around me how can i have fun what 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 makes me giggle <laughs> and the word giggle <laughs> makes me giggle because it's a it's a giggly word yeah it's, it's a funky word it's almost but, um maybe it's almost an onomatopoeia uh-huh is that how you say that word that sounds great that's a <laughs> i think isn't that what you call something a word that sounds like what it is that's a that's a double or a triple point scrabble word yeah oh there's another goodness. game there's another game that <laughs> is actually a new version of Scrabble. So yeah. they had Scrabble and then they had uh, the words with friends. Right. Mm-hmm. And then there was this person who came out with, um, they came out with this, oh, it's called Wordle. Yeah. Yep. No, this Wordle. has been mentioned to me recently. Wordle, the game that took the world by surprise. Um, yeah, just this... <laughs> This, Did you just come up with that tag on your own? 
I did. Wow. I did. But this, I'm, I'm now searching a little bit here. Wordle, um, I guess the story was that there was this guy who wanted to make a game and he made it, I think for somebody in his family. And then they ended up, they ended up sharing it, um, made it public. And then all of a sudden people really liked it and it was good. Hmm. I don't know what he was doing before, but I bet, I bet that he was doing things that made him comfortable and got him into creative mode. He was in his natural state and all of a sudden he was like, boom, you know? Maybe so. Wordle. That's a good guess. Yeah. Do you have a strategy for owning up to your mistakes to mm. get to to progress or get back to your natural yeah. state? Yeah. I do. Yeah. I I There's a mentor of mine who who recently he has been mentoring me. I've known him for about probably three months now and one of the things one of the phrases that he constantly um, has mentioned is extreme personal ownership and that could that could be extreme personal ownership with your your mental health it could be personal ownership of um, relationship with others ownership of um, cleanliness in your home. It could be personal ownership with career and job, and it could be personal ownership with your faith uh, or your spiritual beliefs. It could be um, it could be ownership over even self care, um, a commitment to oneself that that I, I accept. There's more to learn. Um, that I'm, I'm not responsible for how the way that people necessarily feel, but that there's probably a way I can communicate better. Um, or if I choose not to communicate, if I choose silence, but I hold bitterness, or I hold resentment, or I hold in jealousy, or I um, make a mistake and I feel embarrassed, I have, I have recently, I would say probably over the last year, starting in 2021, I acknowledge those things passing through me. So I take ownership over how I humble myself to mistakes. So communication mistakes with people. Um, but then I, I also wait. Like I think there's a part of making mistakes or miscommunications or presumptions. I'm I'm learning this more recently, um, where not every single thing is gonna be solvable or healable or mendable. Um, that when our mistakes involve us and us alone, that there's always grace. That there's a softer tone that we can speak to ourselves with than a harsh voice, and. For a lot of things in life, people just are not looking over our shoulder, critiquing our mistakes. Um, so if, you know, just even to if you're listening and you're wondering how, how do I work through 
things I perceive as mistakes, I would say just to be gentle with yourself, that there's so much grace and that to trust that you are really doing your best. And I want to encourage you that to keep going and to be gentle with yourself because there's grace and there is no need to uh, get it 100% right. Um, now, in terms of mistakes with people outside of ourselves, that is is awesome. Um, it's an awesome learning experience because there's a balance of acknowledging mistakes before people and owning up to our part, but also being careful not to absorb the responsibility that others play in mistakes um, or miscommunication or boundaries overstepped or uh, things that things at work that we were trying to juggle and we we let go of you know one of the glass cups that we were juggling and it, it shatters um, there is there is a part of mistakes that if they involve other people I would really encourage people to ask or encourage them that um, do your best to provide clarity after a mistake um, but don't always take responsibility for how other people come to the table or walk away or um, check out or if they if if you're you know if there's a sense of rejection or you know you're stonewalled and in some some way shape or form that 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 is something to really say you know I, I acknowledge a mistake um, but if there's a harshness after acknowledging of that mistake then that is not something to absorb, but rather something to, I, I believe, really step back from, pray over from afar, but acknowledge aloud, I, I can't be 100% responsible for um, people's, the, 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 the small amount of grace that people extend after mistakes are made. Um. Ultimately, people have to meet you at the table. Um, one person has to say, hey, you know, this mistake was made. It hurt or it affected me or it made me feel disrespected or it made me confused um, or I don't have a direction on the tasks that I'm supposed to accomplish in my day-to-day -day role. Uh, and then a pause to say or see if that person has a pattern of openness and conversation or if they're not doing that then then at that point it's like okay move on yeah <laughs> yeah yeah you I don't can't, know. what's your experience you can't like? control other people yeah what's your what's your experience been around that around or just your, oh, yeah, owning your thoughts? up to mistakes mm -hmm. yeah mm. i'm not gonna i don't think i have as articulate an answer as you do <laughs> um, it's really hard for me to own up to mistakes um, one of the difficulties I face is in um, taking on responsibility for all of it on mm -hmm. 
it's been a temptation throughout my life to when something goes wrong, say the problem isn't this thing that happened. It's that I didn't know how to deal with it. Yeah. And mm-hmm. that I think is not super helpful. Um, I've got better at accepting difficult situations and recognizing that they are just a part of my life at the time yeah. and that's okay, but they won't last forever. I've gotten much better at that, mm-hmm. at going through something difficult and be able to sit and feel it and recognize it and say, this sucks right now, mm-hmm. but it won't always. And that's at least a small comfort. But as far as me making mistakes and recognizing them and owning up yeah, and seeing growth, I'm struggling to recall anything specific. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not that I don't make mistakes <laughs> because I definitely do. Yeah. I think my struggle lies in being able to recognize them and actually grow from it. Yeah. Mm. There's a there's a train of thought around owning mistakes and owning mistakes is often a gateway to trustworthiness and leadership. Mm. Um, Like one perspective is that we gain the value of being trustworthy when we're being natural and honest and transparent with people, even about our, uh, our inability to do something or if we're incompetent with something in the moment, we can honestly share that not whether or not we make a mistake at all so if if there's tension in some way or shape of my life or i would say to listeners if there's an area of tension in your life um that that there is uh an opportunity to maybe admit a place where some things went wrong or where I got something wrong or I made a presumption. Um, And if I deflect or I deny or I hold on to, uh, this is is, um, 2021, that's for sure. Like a huge, probably the first year where I really did it, <laughs> I did I did a a a review of where is my ego trying to protect itself? Um, where am I not open to admitting mistakes? Um, where have I been unforgiving of other people's mistakes? Um, even even with uh, spiritually, you know, like the Bible which is kind of for me that's that's kind of been my compass point of reference um the bible poses this idea that if we have spiritual connection with god and from a place of affection and love for god we we are open to 
mistakes. We are open to conviction from something outside of ourselves to for our good. Mm. So uh, we accept we accept that there are mistakes from our past. We accept that there may be areas where we we don't have it all figured out, um, but we're looking for clarity. And so by, by owning up, ironically, by taking the lead and saying, oh, yeah, you know, I presume something about this person or, uh, or uh, with, with a partner saying, oh, man, I am so sorry. I was only thinking of myself. Or uh, to, to uh, a manager or to a peer you know, you're at a coffee shop or you're in a boardroom or you're outdoors and you were supposed to pass along information and there was a hiccup or something and you got distracted or the person looked at their, you looked at, I looked at my phone or whatever it may be and I disconnected. It's like, oh man, I'm so sorry. I completely dropped the ball on that and I take full ownership of that mistake um, for my, you know, disconnect there. And, uh, you know, I will do my best. How is some and even asking the other person, or asking ourselves what, what is something that, um, what can we, what can we do, um, to to reduce that? I don't think, mis- like mistakes are just going to happen. Sometimes they happen so fast we don't need, we blink and, boom, they're there, and there's consequences for mistakes. But, but uh post-mortem of the mistake it's like okay you know what coming back to the growth mindset of okay i don't i don't measure growth based on whether or not i make mistakes i measure growth based on what i do after i've made a mistake that's quotable right there that's a yeah i gotta time stamp that one yeah. I mean, it's denial or openness. The mark of, I think, a healthy individual is an openness to be poked. Not out of a place of disrespect, but... You say poked? Poked, yeah. Poked. Um, if there's there, there's that you know initial trust there, but an openness to be poked around uh, mistakes that we made so that we can provide clarity. Um, and then we, when those mistakes are made, we address them, we, we use healthy language around mistakes. So for example, if you're in a relationship with somebody or you're with a friend uh, or you're with a coworker, um, you know, you can say something that could be said is, hey, when you were uh, in this meeting, you said this, could you walk me through what you meant by that? Help me understand why that decision was made the way it was. Um, or if you're in a more, I'll say, close relationship with a person, you might pose it by saying, hey, um, when you said this, it made me feel that. Or it made me feel this. Um, can you walk me through why you said what you said? Um, and just getting clarity around the mistake that 
or the miscommunication that could have happened. Um, easy? No. <laughs> um, automatic? Absolutely not. Uh, worth it? Worth it to learn? Absolutely. 100%. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, there's an odd comfort that comes from being around people who uh, acknowledge mistakes quickly and then say, you know, made a mistake. How can I go? Where can I go from here? Yeah. Dude, that's challenging. That's challenging for me. Yeah. What have you, like, what have you seen or experienced in that area? You know, what is it change amongst <laughs> peers or, you know, with pockets of, of family or coworkers or friends or what have I seen in the area of people acknowledging mistakes quickly yeah, or yeah, otherwise? Yeah, like what have you observed or seen? You know, there's, I, a, there's a spectrum of probably observations you've seen of people like. I mean, I have definitely witnessed people who do own up and acknowledge their mistakes quickly. And what that leads to is being able to more quickly move on mm. and progress and learn something. Mm. And then on the flip side, have witnessed a lot of not acknowledging mistakes at all mm. or um, behaving as if they didn't happen. Mm. And what that creates depending on context but in relationship uh, that creates i think it, there's a danger of injecting a lot of bitterness into people hmm. if you chronically make the same mistake and <laughs> not acknowledge it yeah that can be hard on the people around you yeah yeah Oh man! <laughs> I like I like how you say that chronically. Chronic. The same. And I'm gonna like I'm I don't I don't wanna. I'm trying to grow in sensitivity uh -huh. as a person. And like you were talking about, be very careful about how I speak, especially if I am at any point bringing to attention something that I felt was hopefully damaging. Uh -huh. That thing is obviously I'm casting it in a negative light mm. and I want to be careful about how I do that. I don't want to import like or, or confuse people's behavior with their identity mm. and say, Hey, That's you good. are this way. Mm. And that makes me feel like this. Rather than saying, you did this thing, and that thing made me feel this way. Can we can we talk about that and maybe reassess or readjust yeah. in future how we communicate in that situation? Um, yeah. What you said, you said it, you said it well. <laughs> I encourage anybody, look for the... Look for the 
uh, reciprocation and lead, lead, lead with the, as odd as it sounds, you know, the person that ultimately leads with, um, Hey, could we talk about something really quick? (laughs) That's scary. (laughs) Generally, generally is taking that first step. And I mean, there's patterns to look for in communication. Um, there's definitely times where if somebody is, is very stressed or, you know, they've just come home as a roommate or, you know, you can tell that there's a lot of pent up energy, things like that. Um, maybe not the best, best time, but, um, but yeah, the hope is, the hope is to really communicate and in a way, I think over time there's, uh, if both people come to their more natural state, you know, where they feel comfortable to just genuinely, honestly, commonly communicate, then both can, both can progress from there. So would you say communication is important? (laughs) I remember one time, (laughs) I remember one time, uh, if you're listening and you're confused by the fact that he didn't give an answer, it's because that question should not require an answer. I know, I know, yeah. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. No, it's good. Um, communicate. So uh, it's funny. One thing, fun fact about me is I really enjoy meeting people from other countries. Um, shared earlier a story about um, some people from Chile and probably I would say the year of 2021 into 2022 it's it's been a really cool uh it's been a really cool pattern to meet people who are from different states different countries gosh different continents and if there is one thing <laughs> one thing that has taken me by surprise it is how um, there are certain universal parts of communication and nonverbal body language that that speak and enable connection amongst people. Um, but then there are also just some things that I don't understand language-wise or that I um, don't understand how words I say or body language that I give off is communicated the way it is. Um and so one of my favorite questions, because I'm curious, like I'm a curious person, one of my favorite questions um, that I ask people now, uh, so these are peers that I've met or people that I meet in passing momentarily who are from different parts of, of our country or different of the U.S. or different parts of the world, um, I ask them, what does friendship look like in your culture? What is... What is um, connection look like amongst people you interact with and that can then get you can go into other parts of like oh uh this is how you greet people this is how you um this is how much of life that you communicate and share with people this is how private we are this is how public we are um uh these are the topics that are that are open to talk about here are the topics that are off the table um, based on 
the definition of friendship and, and where you're at with that. Um, and it's just, it's interesting. Even last night, uh, there's a, a family that lives down the street from me and really, you know, welcoming family, tons of hospitality. Um, the husband is from Kenya and the wife is from Pakistan and they have a, they have a daughter and, and, um, just like a really welcoming family was having a meal with them, enjoying that, really enjoying my time with them. And I asked, I asked him as I was leaving, I said, so how, how do you, uh, when you meet people, how do you greet them? And then if you get to know them, how do you depart or how do you leave? And, and it was essentially, it's formal if you're just getting to know somebody, but then you do sort of this, uh, guys know this in the, in the States, you kind of have this, this high five bro hug, half bro hug that you do. Uh, yeah. It's a handshake that morphs into a hug. Yeah. I don't really know what, if the Wikipedia has a bro hug entry. Yeah. Bro. Yeah. It's actually, <laughs> I, I Googled bro hug here. It says a combination of a handshake and a one, one arm hug. And that, my friends, if you Google that, you will find some funny photos. <laughs> that is actually very funny. There's even a, an Urban Dictionary definition. There's a New York Times article here. Uh, you got a GQ article talking oh, wow. about the, the history of how the bro handshake hug came to be. Hmm. There's a lot of good content here if you guys Google bro hug. You know, and if I, you're not a bro, that's okay. You can. It's still a... You know, it's just a term. It's just a term. You and, can be any kind of person, and you can and if you Google if you can, yeah. If you Google it, I think it'll be an enjoyable thing. But yeah, so I just I I kind of asked him, and he essentially said, "Yeah, you do a handshake into a an embrace." Um, and I thought that was interesting because uh, it's a form of communication, and that's not always the case. Like some some. Uh, I know uh, somebody who's from kind of the, uh, the uh, not China directly, but kind of from that region. And um, he was telling me that, that that would not happen, you know, in his form of communication unless it was somebody that was extremely close to them. Uh, so it's almost an earned, an earned thing uh -huh. over time in over consistency. So. Hmm. Yeah, that's one of my favorite questions is what does friendship look like in uh, in your culture? Um, how does that progress? That's a good question. What does friendship look like in your culture, Thomas? In my culture? Um, yeah, what does it look like? Uh I mean, I think it's a, probably a mix of just transparency and 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 shared shared interests. Uh, for me, it's funny. For me, I think for a long time when I would socialize with people, because I had this unmet slash, uh, this was out of my own my own. Uh, I'll say brokenness was I always felt like I needed to always overplay 
my hand or always overconnect or try and over socialize or uh, try and become friends really quick. Um, when what I had to realize was that, you know, the, 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 the friendship, the idea of friendship and connection is, is mutual and it's reciprocation. Um, and it's, it's not trying to make something happen, but it's just, it's being curious about some of the similar things in life, wanting similar, like having similar values, similar pillars, but, um, at the end of the day, there will always be moments where we're left on red. You elaborate on what you mean by that. So left on red, that's a, I think, I think a lot of probably, uh, people can relate probably millennials and Gen Z. Yeah. Recognize the phrase, uh-huh. uh, or maybe they said, you know, I was having this great conversation with this person, but they left me on red. Yeah. Or but was, for all of the baby boomers who listen to this show. Right. So the concept behind, so this is a part of electronic communication. Generally you see it with, uh, text messages or social media and in, in apps, uh, there is this setting that you can have on your messages where it's called read or read receipts. So when you're in a chat with somebody, uh, it will, the phone will indicate the moment which your phone was opened and you looked at whatever the comment was and you read it, maybe even if it was a glance, it counts as a read, and for whatever reason, there was no response. Maybe it was because you were juggling groceries as you were walking in the door. Um, maybe it was you were just hopping into the car, you were had the best intention to uh, be safe, and so you didn't think to message them back until you got to your destination. Um, maybe you were... Uh, you got a text from somebody and you're at a party and you were socializing. You didn't really quite know how to respond or you didn't really want to think about <laughs> whatever the text was. And so you just go back to, you know, being with, being with your crew um, or maybe you get a message uh, early in the morning or late and you're tired and you don't really know brain-wise what to respond to. The phone tracks when something was read, but it doesn't necessarily mean that we're able to respond in the moment. And so this idea of being left on read is a presumption or a feeling that a person has, uh, that they're not, they're not, they're not being listened to or they, the, the person who hasn't responded yet is um not really quite sure how to respond so it can have a positive connotation it can have a negative connotation generally the phrase left on red younger people will associate it with a negative feeling would you agree yes typically there's there's an assumption of malicious intent yeah how could they rather like (laughs) which i advocate for assuming the best the thing that usually happens with me, if this happens, and I know of, 
if you have texted me much, you, you've had this happen to you because of me. Um, and for me, it usually happens that I get a text message, but I can't, I don't know whether or not I'm able to respond. And so yeah. I look at it <laughs> to know if it's an easily respondable thing. Yep. And then if I'm not able to respond in the moment, I leave, I leave it there. Yeah. I exit the app and now <laughs> I don't have that notification yeah. and I forget about it because yeah. unless I make a very considered effort to remember things, yeah. I will forget them very quickly. Mm. You know, those moments when you meet somebody, you ask their name, they tell you your name, you even repeat it back to them. Uh-huh. And five minutes later, the interaction's done and they walk away and you think, what did they say their name was again? <laughs> yeah. Because you haven't deeply logged that information. Uh-huh. Yeah. If I open your text and I don't respond to you and I leave yeah. the text, <laughs> I'm, I'm probably going to forget. I'm sorry. Yeah. I remember one time. Uh, but I'll try not to do that. Yeah. I remember one time I was at a table, a group of people, and I was genuinely curious, like, how many messages that people get a day or how many messages that people have on their phones. Um, I tend to be on the very, very low side of the spectrum, and I'm okay with that. I remember seeing somebody have 300, over 300 unread messages yeah and i thought my goodness their poor soul that is overwhelming yeah i don't know how you deal with that it's kind of like it's similar with my email Mm. sometimes with email i've got it'll just go i think gmail it just goes to 9.99 plus (laughs) man I've, i've gotten spammed so many times so many advertisements flooding in with information yeah i can't deal with that my i keep my inbox surprisingly clean that's it. Because it really bothers me. That is a skill. But yeah, it's just it, there's there's just overflow and I don't go through all my email. I don't I I mean, I've subscribed to newsletters and I subscribe to, you know, different website uh, advertisements, you know, if it's like oh, this new product is coming out or, you know, this new uh, study on this book is coming out. It's like, oh, "Okay, that's cool. Let me subscribe to that." But then ironically, I leave them on red. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, yeah. I, and it just piles up. I, it piles up. And then there's this tap out. I call it mental tap out where we just get to a point where I'm just going to leave it all on red because I tap out and I can't even think to try and go through my mailbox with stuff. Um, even if I'm relaxed and calm, uh, I'm just, I see it as a wall. Yeah. I don't know. Don't want to expend the energy on deleting those. The swipe to delete was a brilliant innovation. You don't even have to read it. You can just swipe. If so, if being in flow and being in a healthy state is part of finding natural state, what do you think are ways that throw people off from that natural state? I think it definitely will depend on who you are, like we were talking about earlier, because you asked the question before, a kind of reverse question of Mm -hmm. how do you get into that natural state? I think 
if you know that, you probably know how you get out of it mm. or how, what things knock you off balance enough to fall out of it. Um, man, anything that just injects negative energy into Ooh, your that's life. That's a good one. That's a good signal pickup. I had a really great day couple weeks ago yeah was feeling a little restless trying to work on podcast things decided to go do some manual labor helped at the church house the, the new the church the new church building and it was great and then i get a text message that i was not expecting yeah that really did not have a positive energy coming from it mm. and that yeah. unbalanced me that definitely took me out of that flow. Yeah. There was like this choice, this choice internally to accept the signal and let the signal in, whatever it was. Is that a question? Yeah, yeah, like like confirming. <laughs> like there was, this cho- um, there was this choice to be made of like, do I accept this signal in or... Maybe there defend? was... But it didn't feel like it to me. Mm-hmm. It felt like, um, like seeing something that you can't unsee. Oh man, yeah. That you aren't expecting. It kind of just runs yeah. by. Like food that you see at the fair. Yeah. State fair. You're yeah. Like, How did somebody come up with that? And you were already hungry, and you yeah. see it, and now <laughs> it's like, oh my gosh! I know I'm hungry, and I can't ignore it now. And I'm at it. the fair, so everything costs twenty dollars. Yeah, you can't unsee it. No, you can't unsee it. So this was just a good. Day. <laughs> this was like a, a very obvious turkey leg on a. I haven't eaten since you know yeah. the day before. You know, it's the craziest thing I've ever seen at a fair that I just can't unsee. Was a Krispy Kreme cheeseburger. That was unreal. I never thought well, that it was buns that were Krispy Kreme two, donuts. Yep, two Krispy Kreme donuts as a as buns, and wow. then there was a cheeseburger in the center with the lettuce and tomato included as well. I would eat it. Awful. It, I would Absolutely at least try awful. it. So you did try it. I did. I got one bite in, and I said, <laughs> "Nope, nope, can't do it. Won't do it." Man, can't can unsee that moment. Yeah. I feel like this is a good place to wind down. Cool. Do you know what the episodes end with? Well, if if you have been listening up until this point, um, or while you're listening, uh, or you've 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 uh, skipped along, you probably have heard this phrase or this theme of natural state. The natural state. Um, it's this concept that. Uh, has been on my mind recently and it's this call to action or this call to awareness um, of encouragement to you to ask or think about you know over the next 30 days what are things that help me get into flow who are people that I can surround myself with that positively help me get into natural state of mind uh, where I'm, I'm at peace, or I can uh, I can make make changes in my life, um, 
you know, reconnect with people, try and try and see if there's things out there in the world that help you feel like you're more in your natural state. So I think, yeah, that'd be my encouragement to you uh, as a listener and as a liver. <laughs> a liver. I probably have never used that word in that context before. <laughs> no, but, it's it's not usually yeah. used that way. But I, uh, yeah, it's, <laughs> it is enjoyable though. As a listener and as a liver uh, <laughs> to... Uh, to just ask, um, how can I, how can I get in the flow and feel more part of my natural state? So, thanks y'all for listening. Oh, it's not over yet. Oh, I was asking. Do you know how the show ends? Oh, I don't. <laughs> I was about to say peace out. Yeah, no, we can do that. We can end. But, but the show, the, there's one thing that I'm keeping consistent, at least, about the show. I'm realizing, especially with the second go around of recording these, mm-hmm. that. Each conversation is very different than the last, and I'm loving it. I'm loving being able to sit back and let the conversation flow naturally mm-hmm. and just appreciate the difference in each person and what they bring to the conversation. But one thing I'm keeping consistent is that I end every episode with a funny story mm or a joke or just something to add yeah. on laughter. Oh yeah. And a recommendation. That. So the recommendation can come first, which it sounds yeah. like you've already given that. Mm-hmm. Would you say that that was your recommendation? Yeah, a recommendation to listeners. Um, something to consider is ask or write down on a piece of paper or on a sticky note or on a phone notepad, um, what helps me get into the natural state? How do I find my flow? It's a good thing to consider. Or where have I where have I felt like time passed by so quickly? Because I was I was comfortable in my skin. I was in my natural state. Um, great great recommendation. And then the second part that you asked was a funny story. Yeah. Yeah, it can be just, you know, an experience that you think is funny that you had. Yeah, you can tell the joke. Raul told a joke, I think, and I don't think it landed very well, Uh but it was still, you know, it was still a fun experience. Man, that is good. I love hearing people's funny stories, though. (laughs) I'm looking through I'm looking through photos right now of (laughs) moments. I I'm a visual visual person, so. Sometimes as I'm, uh, <laughs> sometimes as I'm scrolling through, I I get moments or I think about uh, places. Um, so a, a funny moment. <laughs> so a funny moment that I I had um, in 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 the last couple of weeks. Um, I was with with a group of people and they were hosting us at their home. They. They, uh, it was a group of guys who actually from from Antioch down in Dallas, and they had a guitar, an acoustic guitar there with them, and um, <laughs> and I remember, I remember somebody picked it up and just started strumming random chords as best as they could, and for some reason I just thought that that was my cue to start singing, <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> and I don't know why, but I always go into folk singing. 
I don't know why. I just like joking about farms and, you know, goats and animals and yeah. dust and dirt and trucks. And I always find it, I always find, uh, you know, the, the language or the wordage of country to be funny. And so, so a buddy of mine, he starts strumming on the guitar and we just started belting out different, different random lyrics. Um, about things and places and people on a farm and it was repetitive it was redundant but it was hilarious because there was no meaning there was absolutely no meaning it was just trying to sound like a folk singer mm-hmm. uh, we were all uh, we were all probably delirious too by that time it was probably you know 10 11 p.m 12 a.m at night so we, we were all tired but that was hilarious to me just belting out uh belting out lyrics i think we ended up naming the song dito the dog what of the dog dito dito the dog yeah dito the dog so we're like oh what would it look like if you had a whole album where all of the songs had really redundant really redundant basic guitar background and then um and then you just pick out different things that are on the farm and you have alliteration. So you'd have like Dito the dog, Gary the goat, you know? Like, I like that one, yeah. Like Patty the pig. And you just you just pick one animal after the other and there's not a lot of plot to the, to yeah. the songs. But You've got a whole album theme though. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. I, I will say... I'm gonna. I'm. I'm keeping tabs in my mind yeah. of who gets the biggest laugh mm-hmm. in each one. I'm, I'm gonna be honest, and I can be honest with you. I don't think that one had that, <laughs> that big. It didn't. It didn't land really no. well. No, but, I don't. I, it's funny. I don't. I don't have. <laughs> I don't have like spur of the moment jokes. I'm like a goofball when I'm in groups of people. Yeah. Um, Lindsay's so far is far and away the loudest laugh at the end of an episode that's awesome so far so way to go Lindsay. you're still yeah champ still champ such a champ yeah but now yeah, that was good dude yeah. thanks for coming on the show thank you as well you're welcome <laughs> peace out everyone yeah peace out me giggle.